Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Rick Hyland. And Rick is a sales coach, uh, especially focused on the entrepreneur that wants to aggressively grow their business. He's going to talk about his book. He's going to talk about what it means to be a real rainmaker and what it means to create value for your customer first so that you can create value for your sales practice. So listen carefully as Rick joins our show right now. Welcome, Rick, to Business Growth on Purpose. Jose, it's great to be with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it, uh, Rick. Uh, so just for our audience sake, if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you do it for. Yeah, sure. I'm a business or sales growth coach. And I'm uh, the last couple of years, what I've been focusing on is helping entrepreneurs grow and scale their business, those that want to grow and scale their business. And usually it's between a million and 50 million. So that's kind of my niche in all sorts of different industries, but really entrepreneurs that really want to get aggressive on scaling and growing their business. So I, I love that word aggressive, right? So, so you know, in, in the pre-interview, uh, we talked a little bit about this and just the fact that, you know, every, I mean, if you asked an owner, would you like to make more money? Sure. Who would want more money? Are you willing to work for it? So has that been your experience that not everybody, just because they own a business doesn't mean they're actually focused on growth? Yeah, good, great point. And uh, most people, what I'm finding as well in the entrepreneurs and the, as they're trying to grow their business is that they, they don't have a robust business plan, a robust multi-lever uh, lead generation strategy. They build this great piece of software, this great product or service. They keep perfecting that online or wherever it might be. And then all of a sudden they go, you know, build the sales and marketing plan and they don't have one, they don't have budget for it. And so it does take a mindset that I have to have some budget. This is an important part of the plan, uh, which isn't always the case. I think most entrepreneurs love the idea that I'm going to build this perfect mousetrap and everybody's just going to go running to my website. And it takes a lot more work than that. And even more than word of mouth and social media, which those are really good levers, right? But that's, you know, if you want to really scale your business, you need a lot more more than those two uh, working for you. So yeah, just the awareness that, um, in fact, one of my uh, questions I always screen before I talk to uh, start working with a client is, you know, are you willing to invest? Uh, are you willing to improve and try new methods and skills and tools in order to invest? And if the answer to those two, and are you a B2B sale? If the answer to those three questions are yes, you're in my sweet spot. Let's work together. I can help you scale. Right. But any no or any hedge on those answers is a red flag for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that doesn't mean they're not going to be successful and that not doesn't mean they're not a great business. But those are the kind of people that uh, I need and want to work with in order to get them uh, ROI on their investment. Well, it's interesting because, you know, sometimes when I'm in like a group presentation, I'll ask a question similar to that. But I just say, how many of you get most of your business from referrals? And people are very excited to raise their hand to that question, but that just means you're not marketing on purpose. You're just, you're just hoping that people say good things about you and, and you wait for business to come your way, which is, you know, could be a decent lifestyle business, yeah. but it's not a growth business, right? Yeah. I mean, so many are working. Referrals are awesome. Those are the best. Those are the highest conversion ones, right? But it's often not enough. And then, so then they add social media because it's free. And that's not a great conversion strategy, unless, of course, you're, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
selling a commodity at 999 and you're sure. you know a famous influencer or something but for most of our b2b customers or clients that's not enough that's that's a good awareness campaign it's not a conversion campaign so there has to be much more in the and i love your term there of both what you just said and your show on purpose have a purposeful strategic marketing strategy rather than just hanging on social media and referrals and and hoping right hope and, is yeah, not a strategy more and more start coming through yeah right right so what what's uh you know so so one thing just thinking about the mind a lot what you what you a lot of what you're describing is a mindset right it's like owner mindsets and so on so do you think that's is that generational is that how long somebody's been doing it or do you find that crosses there isn't an easy definition that way for the person who has that aggressive mindset oh that's a good question um i don't know if i can do it generational um but it is interesting that you know um Part of it, speaking of mindset, is confidence in themselves. Can I really uh, convert, you know, using an expert or a coach to help me? So if they really believe in their product and themselves and they understand, like there's some interesting, uh, I think it's Labor Bureau of Statistics, 70% of small businesses fail in the first five years, Jose. And there's three reasons why. One, they don't understand their financing, i.e. they run out of money. Mm-hmm. Number two, they don't have a business plan, a really written down, cohesive, working from strategy. And number three, they don't have, a, as we've already been talking about, a comprehensive marketing strategy other than referrals and social media. So those are the three reasons. So helping clients see that they need to have a business plan, that they need. So I actually think the younger generation is a little bit better at that, knowing that, you know, I need to have a plan, I need to have it written, I need to have it. And uh, some people of my generation, old school, just, you know, I'm just going to hustle, I'm just going to work. And, right. and uh, as we already talked about, hope isn't a strategy and referrals aren't usually enough. So let's, let's build a business plan, let's have a mar- multi-level marketing strategy in order to really scale the business. And, and um, some people are just, you know, hesitant to invest in themselves. Uh, in order to do that. Uh, they're really hoping that hope is be a strategy. And I hope this isn't, you know, discouraging for people. But in reality, the data says that you need a written business plan, and you need a multi level marketing strategy in order to be successful as a small business. Well, it, it, especially if you want to, and, and two things, one is grow. But the other thing is also just even to whole serve. Yeah, it's not a given. Yeah. Right. Because all of a sudden you have like, oh, well, and, and this is the other thing. I'm sure you run into this with somebody proudly says, oh, you know, name the big company, Boeing, Catapult. They're 80 percent of our business. And they think that's a good thing. And you're like horrified. You're saying, whoa, that's <laughs> risk. Ha- yeah, risk is like off the charts. And and, you know, I understand, like if you're like in Connecticut and you're surrounding the aerospace ecosystem, right, Lockheed's going to be one of your biggest customers, for example if you exist at all in there from, from a industrial perspective, but you, you need to find ways to diversify. Sometimes even within the large company, there's maybe other buying centers, other groups that you can leverage and so on. So just, just interesting how people okay. don't see that. And I think the other thing I've found that I'd be interested in your, in your, um, in your take on this, Rick, is that often, especially the more industrial, the company, they may have somebody with a title of sales VP, or a title of marketing manager, but they're not really that good at it. I mean, candidly, I've rarely found somebody I say, wow, this person could work anywhere as a marketing strategist. I've not run into that. 
So why is it that owners often in those categories, it seems to me, don't really appreciate the, the art and science of selling and marketing as its own thing. They, they appreciate the engineering side like that. They understand that's real. That's real science. The sales and marketing, that's just, you know, talking a good game. How, do you have to unpack that for some people sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. I just talked to an entrepreneur last week um, and he'd spent eight years and million dollars and hadn't done anything with sales and marketing yet and was disappointed that his cool e-commerce site and it was a really good e-commerce site wasn't found by you know other people and he spent all his money and didn't have any money left for sales and marketing and so hopefully this is a clarion call for people that right up front uh, you need to have a sales and marketing strategy and budget I mean if I could if I could have a magic wand for every entrepreneur starting up or in that kind of million, two million category is to be on purpose and intentional with your marketing strategy and your marketing budget. And, and if I could have a second wish that it was more than just a referral and social media strategy. If, if I could wave that wand across the, the US and Canada right now, that we'd improve that statistical 70% of small businesses fail in the first five years. We really would. If we just went in with that intentionality on the sales and marketing side. And, and to your point, um, Jose, I always think about change and success in three, you need three factors. You need the right mindset, skill set, and tool set. You could have the winning mindset, but if you didn't have the right school skills as a sales and marketing person and or the right tools, you're not going to be as successful. But if you can put that combination of three things together. I'm enhancing my skills, my sales skills, and there is skills, right? Sure. There's skills on how to have a good discovery first meeting. There's skills on how to have a closing conversation. There's skills on how to have an onboarding conversation so it goes smooth and the success of the project and or service goes extremely well, just to pick three areas on the sales cycle there. Um, but and if you have the right tools to make that process easier and then the right mindset, um, boy, that's a winning combination. So we always work with entrepreneurs to try to get all three so that we re really can maximize the ROI of their investment to grow their business. Well, and, and you know, the, the, the first one, the mindset, right? That's, you can, it would seem to me as a, as a coach, like who, you know, you have so many hours in a week to give to coach this many clients. So you have to qualify them, make sure they're going to be successful. So um, adding skills and adding tools in the relative difficult area is easier than changing somebody's mindset. Mindset is, it's really hard to change. So do you find that disqualifies somebody if you think they have the wrong mindset or can you call it out to them and say, listen, I think you're, you're thinking in a very self-defeating way, or you're not thinking, you're not seeing the possibilities. Let me help you. Are people open to that? You know, um, the good ones are, and the successful ones are, and you're right. Some aren't. I just did a training with one of my small groups on this exact idea of mindset. And we, we went through this exercise, Jose, and it was really quite illuminating of on the left-hand side of the paper, list all the things, the excuses, if you will, on why you're not hitting your stretch targets. Well, it's the economy. It's my business partner. It's uh, my clients. <laughs> it's Facebook marketing. Didn't, you know, whatever that excuse might've been, um, and then going on the other side of it and saying, okay, what would the most successful salesperson in the world, what would their mindset on this excuse be? Mm. Right? Okay, it's the economy. Well, 
most successful mindset in the world would say, well, somebody has to make money in this economy. Yes, it's a recession. Yes, it's a tough time. Somebody's going to. Why not me? <laughs> Versus, oh, I can't do it. Or I face this a lot. I have a bad business partner or they're not as good as they promised they would be. I have a bad sales and marketing person or my CEO is limiting me or what you know whatever. Okay. What would the most success, successful salesperson do? What would the mindset of the most successful the, the person that is going to be successful with a bad business partner? I mean, I had one person that just sold their business for a uh, a, a massive multiple to a private equity firm that he literally said to his business partner and it wasn't fair because they were 50-50 partners. Hey, it's dysfunctional. And he said it a lot better than this, but it's dysfunctional as it is. Why don't you stay home and take care of X, Y, and Z that you've been talking about and you know, worrying about, blah, blah, blah. Give me a chance for the next year to run this business and see if we can take it home. And um, he did. And that partner got a 50% payout on it. But it was, you know, it was the mindset of a successful person. If this really isn't working. And too many people would say, well, that's not fair. They own 50, they got to do 50% of the work, right. blah, blah, blah. But a successful mindset says, well, how am I going to get to a spot where we can be successful? Not worry about what's fair, but we can be successful. So analyze every one of your beliefs on why you think you can't be successful, why you're not being successful, why you're not hitting that stretch goal, hitting that IPO, that billion dollar evaluation analyze every one of those beliefs and then think about it from the framework or the mindset of the most successful salesperson in the world. What would they do? And just flip the script on yourself. Right. And well, I, I love, I that, love that, that question, Rick, is so powerful because it allows you, it allows the person listening to the question to process this like objectively about a third party, not in the room. It's not asking them, how can you change your attitude? Because they don't know how they can change their attitude. But they can imagine, and what's probably very powerful, I'm sure when you use it, uh, they can really imagine who that, what they think that best salesperson would do. They wouldn't pick the person who failed. They would imagine somebody who succeeded despite those challenges. Um, and, and I love that because, again, like you said, recessions are, are tough for, you know, 5% contraction in the economy is a massive contraction. Massive. That's, that's massive. like deadly. That still leaves 95% of businesses still happening for somebody. Um, figure that out. I love me? that. Yeah. Now, one thing, you know, and, and you talk about, uh, and certainly Rick, you are a sales growth coach, right? So often we, we, uh, we sometimes refer to people who are top salespeople as rainmakers. And I know you have a new book out uh, recently on that topic. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's called the truth about being a rainmaker, seven steps for sales excellence. It came out a couple months ago. It's been well-received. And basically, it's the story about how I 100xed our, or how we 100xed our consulting company over a 10-year period. It's the seven lessons out of that. And it's the seven, same seven lessons that I coach entrepreneurs on. So in that book, small book, um, I've learned that most, of the, you know, particularly the, the millennial generation, they want to listen to it while they're working out or on a drive. So I kept it small, kept it on these seven principles, and it has our success story of 100xing. And then um, tied in with that, some of the people and organizations I've coached. So you're going to see lots of examples of these seven principles. And by, by the way, number one, Jose, on the seven principles of sales excellence is this idea of working on purpose, that um, be super clear on what your purpose, your passion, your noble cause is. And if you 
are and you're working on purpose. And this doesn't mean you have to be part of Apple and Google and transforming the data of the world or, you know, creating products that are going to change the world, whatever. What is, I mean, it could be just, I'm very passionate about helping people with credit repair. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, I, I want to help people get their financial standing. And that passion, that, that purpose comes through every time you put an ad out, every time you talk to somebody B2B in sales. So it starts with being on purpose. And so when you're clear on your purpose and passion, you're more resilient, you'll give up less, you'll be more, uh, your heart will come through as you're making your sales pitch. There's lots of benefit of being on purpose, but that is the first of the seven principles. Well, I love that. And you know, what's really powerful about that too is, is often, you know, like, for example, if I, if I hear um, a particular sermon at church and it's, and you know, there's pain in the world and there's a lot of suffering in the world. And you think, what can I do to solve the pain and suffering in the world? It's so, such a big thing, right? Big scale. But then you, you kind of bring it down to, well, no, but you can, you can address the pain and suffering that you encounter day to day in your neighbor, in the person, your, your friend, that family member, right. make a difference there. So like you use the example of credit repair. So you're not going to solve everybody's credit problem, like literally not everybody, but you can solve the people you serve and make a difference there. And I could see that being very energizing when you realize I'm actually, a, you call it noble purpose. I love that. Um, that, that idea that it's something higher than just, I need a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can work from that, it comes through in your face, in your heart, in your language, in your passion, in your conversations, and people. That's attractive to people. There's lots of research out there. My first book actually is called "Live Your Purpose: A Step-by-Step -Step Guide to." When I first retired from my big consulting job and went to online, I wrote this. Uh, so I'm. I love your title. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be on your show. This it is about purpose, both personally and business-wise. And when I went to write that first book, "Live Your Purpose." I thought it was just me that had this passion for you. You, McKinsey's done some uh, unbelievable research lately on the power of purpose at work and the, the uh, multiples it can earn you and the ROI it can have for you. Not, not if it's a marketing scheme, right? but if truly comes from a sense of purpose of this is the noble cause that we're going to change the world one by one in our little niche, in our little sector by doing X you know, credit repair, or I'm going to provide the best quality lumber so people can have their dream of owning, owning their first house, whatever it is, you can mm -hmm. find purpose in anything. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to change the information of the world, right? right. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, yeah, it's a super well, important principle to be successful in the long run. And that was the title of that book, The Truth About Being a Rainmaker. Because, you know, there is a um, stigma, and I'm maybe 10 years ago, I'm probably even still out there, but let's say car salesmen. And I know some very good car salesmen, but that it's just about putting pressure on people, closing sure. the deal and move, you know, ABCs, right? Always be closing. Where the truth is, if you really want to be a sustainable, long-term rainmaker, it has to be filled with trust. It has to be filled with purpose. It has to come from a sense of this noble cause that I'm helping the world. And uh, you're a trust builder. And a trust builder means you're putting, you're doing what's best for the client, not you. And then people say to me, oh, Rick, well, I got a quarterly budget or a monthly budget. I got, yeah, good. Well, have enough leads coming in the top of the funnel, do what's best for those leads, and you won't have any problem hitting your quarterly budget. And please do not let your clients see your quarterly sweat. 
Don't let, don't let them see your internal quota sweat or they will absolutely get the impression and probably not be a client that it's, it's about in service to you as a salesperson. But when you come off in service to them and you do what's best for them every time, I promise you over the long run, you're going to be a rainmaker. And that's the truth about being a rainmaker. It's not about heavy-handed closing. It's about building trust and doing what's best. And then over the long run and making sure you got enough leads in the funnel, like we talked about earlier, coming from a noble cause, you're going to be very successful. And that's the truth about being a rainmaker. I love that. And on that note, Rick Highland, we're going to pause right here and just ask you a question. I'm sure many of our listeners might be thinking, hey, I want to know more about Rick, about these books and about what he does and how to contact him. So how would somebody listening uh, connect with you? Yeah, thanks for asking. You can go on Amazon and buy the books. I also have a planner up there to help you organize because that's one of the skills of an entrepreneur. You have to be super organized, prioritized, working off your higher goals, not just to be busy. We haven't even talked about that, but you know how important that is. But yeah, Highland, my name is uh, Rick Highland. Highland is spelled H-E-Y-L-A-N-D. You can email me at rhighland, looks Highland at gmail.com directly, or I'm on all social media with that same last name, H-E-Y-L-A-N-D. But probably the best place, Jose, is just go to my website. You're going to see tool, free tools, books, courses, coaching, uh, www.ci, continuous improvement it stands for, ci4life, the number four in the middle, .org, www.ci4life.org. Fantastic. Rick, thank you so much for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jose. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.